0: You're going to love this. Just love it.
1: Well, I don't know why I came here tonight.
2: Oh, I know exactly why I came. I'm certainly not scared.
1: the left to the right here I am stuck in the middle with you yep yes i'm stuck in the middle
2: yes i am stuck in the middle with you Brad Friedman your friendly investigative blogger journalist troublemaker muckraker all around swell fellow says me From bradblog.com here with another live hour on Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles. KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, and of course, coast to coast and around the globe on KPFK. On the Stitcher app, on the TuneIn app, uh, on the Progressive Voices channel, on TuneIn, on Netroots Radio and Liberal Justice Radio. Just try to run and hide. We will find you. Welcome. This is your Bradcast. Uh, We've got a very big show coming up today. Uh, Climate deniers gone wild that's right. Climate deniers gone wild in advance of the uh, the new UN report. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, their new report, their first one since 2007, is coming out in just days. And the uh, the deniers and wingnuts and their suckers, chumps, rubes who buy into their nonsense, are going crazy trying to preempt this thing with all manners of blather and nonsense. We will cover much of that and the condition on the ground in Colorado, in Boulder, uh, in a little bit with Phil Plate of Slate's. Bad astronomy—you're not going to want to miss that. I'll also have some more details on our uh, September 28th screening of Shadows of Liberty, a, a terrific documentary uh, that I happen to be in, but it's good anyway. That will be—will uh, be—I uh, I will be hosting a screening of that at the Downtown Independent uh, Theater on September 28th at 4:30 p.m. I hope you will join me for that if you happen to be out here in Los Angeles. More details on that coming up. Uh, Also, an update on SB 360, this terrible bill that is still waiting for the governor's signature, the California governor's signature, Jerry Brown, uh, either for his signature or his veto, hopefully his veto. It's a terrible bill. It ends all testing, all federal testing of voting systems used in California, which are then sold to the rest of the country. Uh, And it's even worse than that. I will have an update on that and on the uh, state senator who is pushing this bill, pushing this bill and running to become secretary of state, a bill that gives unprecedented powers to the secretary of state. But that's just a coincidence. More on that ahead. Uh, Let's see. Plus, Desi Doyen, as always, with a Green News report and much, much more. But first, this... Has been a test. This has only been a test. Had this been a real war, would we have led directly into it, uh, would we have been led directly into it, I should say, by incurious, passive, bogus reports passed on by the mainstream corporate media yet again, including little or no evidence to support the very reason for going to war in the first place, for spilling the blood of innocents and spending untold dollars on yet another foreign incursion in the Middle East instead of, you know, I don't know, using that money for uh, actually helping citizens of this nation. Essentially, it seems to me that though we're now standing down from imminent war in Syria, hopefully, seemingly, uh, this is a good opportunity, at least as good as any, to look at how the MSM, the mainstream media, did this time around ten years since Iraq And by the way, just months after the corporate media hand-wringing about their failures at the time 10 years ago. And did they fall for the same thing all over again? It largely seems to me as if they did, since the evidence for the Syrian regime having been responsible for the attack, for the attack, while a chemical attack in Damascus on August 21, while perhaps true, perhaps it was them, It was never seen, that evidence. We've never seen the evidence that it was, in fact, the Syria regime, at least not to my knowledge. We've seen a lot of assertions and a lot of assessments, but no evidence. But I'd love to get a second opinion on this, so I'm joined by Jim Narakis, the editor of Extra, the bi-monthly magazine of FAIR, Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting at FAIR.org. Jim's been the editor of Extra since 1990. Prior to that, he worked as an investigative journalist for the uh, for the newspaper In These Times, covering the Iran-Contra scandal, of all things, in great detail. He's the author of The Way Things Aren't, Rush Limbaugh's Reign of Error. Uh, Jim Narakis, welcome, sir, to KPFK's broadcast. Thanks for having us on. Uh, great to have you have you here today. Uh, so I, I don't know if you heard my intro there. Uh, I think the mainstream media is repeating the exact same mistakes they made 10 years ago uh, when they didn't ask for real evidence, when they took the administration's word for it. Um, let me play one quick example here. Uh, this is from Meet the Press, uh, September 8th. Uh, Just a little over a week or so ago, uh, David Gregory talking to David Axelrod, who was, of course, uh, the top political guy for Barack Obama, now the NBC senior political analyst. Here's an exchange uh, they had on uh, the Meet the Press roundtable. I remember how Democrats went after the Bush administration for
3: raising the specter of weapons of mass destruction being used against our own troops to make a case for war. That never happened because there were no WMD right. there. Dennis McDonough, the chief of
2: staff, just said that here. He said, we don't want our own troops being targeted by these awful weapons. But, David, the, but 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 these weapons are there. I mean, this is a right. completely different case. The weapons were used. We have the film. We have all kinds of intelligence that suggests where who used them. Is the this argument is much that Syria is going to... Okay, so there you go. David Axelrod saying the weapons are there. It's completely different from Iraq, uh, and I think uh, you know nobody seems to doubt that Syria has chemical weapons. They've admitted that they uh, that they do. But Jim Narakis, uh, David Axelrod says, quote, we have all kinds of intelligence that suggests suggest who used them. Have you seen any hard evidence of actually who used those chemical weapons in that attack in Damascus on uh, on August 21?
4: Well, actually, I, I I think that the the UN report that came out uh, a couple of days ago uh, is really it's a, a very instructive contrast with the the U.S. intelligence report that came out uh, when when John Kerry gave his pitch for for war with Syria, mm-hmm. uh, in that the the degree of detail in the UN report uh, and sort of the, the the trying to offer the the actual basis that the conclusions of the report are drawn on, uh, is so much higher in the U.N. report. Um, And in fact, I think there are... uh, I had been quite skeptical of the the case against Syria, mainly because of uh, the difficulty in understanding what the motivation of the the Syrian government uh, launching a, a chemical attack when... UN chemical weapons inspectors are 50 miles away.
2: Right. Uh, and actually, the Syria government says they were four miles from the uh, uh, from the Four Seasons Hotel, where the uh, UN Independent Commission was staying, uh, on the day that this uh, attack was purportedly launched. But yes, go ahead. It's really pretty,
4: per- per- pretty perplexing. But the, the UN report uh, has really made me rethink the, mm-hmm. the, the likelihood of of Damascus being responsible for the chemical weapons attacks. They they give detailed, analysis, detailed lab analysis of the the samples uh, showing not only sarin, but the kind of stabilizers that military-grade sarin would have that, that would not likely be present in sort of home-brewed sarin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they also calculate the trajectories. On We're able to calculate the trajectories on some of the, the munitions that delivered the sarin. Uh, and if you trace them back, they they go back to uh, a military base near the presidential palace in Damascus.
2: Uh huh. And and now uh, I know. Uh, it, no, go ahead. Go ahead.
4: So it, it's you know it, it, it's not uh, and the, the the UN report doesn't explicitly accuse anyone of of launching the attack. Right. But they do they do provide the kind of of concrete detail that allows people to to, to draw conclusions. And I think those those conclusions for me at least are, are different than they were before this evidence was presented by the U.N.
2: Right. Well, fair enough. And my point here, and actually, yes, they did uh, stop. They did draw the line at saying that uh, uh, Assad was responsible for this attack. But my point here is you know, they they were not able to yet anyway confirm that. My point, however, is not whether he did it or didn't do it. It is whether the media did their job. Did the mainstream corporate media do their job? Were they dubious? Were they skeptical? Were they, you know, looking into all of the other possibilities? I've got uh, in front of me uh, a letter, uh, well, several different uh, pieces of information, uh, Jim, uh, a letter from the Syrian government. Now, obviously, this was sent to this was sent to uh, members uh, of Congress to try to convince. Congress to not attack, to not vote for an attack against Syria. So obviously, uh, Syria has a has a dog in this particular hunt. But what was interesting was they offered very specific points that the media could have looked into, could have checked into, could have, I would argue, should have reported. For example, uh, earlier this year, uh, in uh, March, March 19, they say that an Aleppo uh, chemical attack on civilians and military personnel, Syrian government asked. For uh, an immediate investigation Back in uh, March The investigation uh, visit Was delayed by more than four months By the U.S., France And U.K. intervention Is that true? Why did they delay? Uh, they talked about the capture That Turkey in, uh, announced the capture Of an Islamic fanatic terrorist group Possessing two liters of sarin gas Therefore, they write Mr. servey Lavrov Uh, The Russian foreign minister on uh, the the uh, 5th—I'm sorry, uh, what is this, 531— urged the Turkish government to cooperate to avoid the possibility of any future chemical attack in the Middle East and Europe. These seem to me like actual verifiable facts that the media could look into, could find out You know, questions they could answer. We've got a whole bunch of intelligence, top intelligence people, former intelligence officials, uh, whistleblowers, uh, guys like Ray McGovern, Colleen Rowley, uh, Anne Wright, uh, who, who folks who had warned against Iraq on the very night that Colin Powell presented his uh, his case to the U.N., they're now warning President Obama to get outside information as well about this. So I'm not trying to make the case of who did it or who didn't. I'm asking, yeah. no, do, I, did the media uh, do their job in this case, or did they repeat all of the same mistakes that they did 10
0: years ago?
4: I think there very definitely was a failure of skepticism uh, in in the reporting, especially immediately subsequent to the 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 Kerry presentation mm-hmm. uh, which was very low on on factual information which was basically uh the secretary of state saying trust us yeah you know, we've got the intelligence on this um and i think that that it, it's completely responsible for uh a journalist to of, of any country to accept their government's word uh on the basis of of very little evidence that uh that that's the way things are um, and yet, you saw uh, one, one thing that was very striking to us was the the, the casualty figures that were given out by right. by the U.S. Mm-hmm. were way out of line with every other report yep. on uh, on the attacks. Uh, in some cases, like five times the the numbers that other people were giving. Right. Uh, and yet, overnight, that became the the new number, uh, not cited to to the U.S. government, but just the Except a number for how many people were killed in Gouda.
2: And that was, uh, by the way, fourteen thousand. I'm sorry, yeah, one thousand four hundred and twenty-nine, including four hundred and twenty-six children killed. That's what the American assessment uh, was that uh, John Kerry repeated. And former uh, senior defense official Anthony Cordesman told McClatchy, who was once again, as they were back in Iraq, uh, you know, somewhat dubious about this information. They pointed out that that number did not agree at all with either the British assessment of. Uh, 350 fatalities, or Syrian opposition uh, sources who said there was uh, 502 dead, including 100 children. So there was this wildly disparate information, and yet no skepticism about it from the media, it seems.
4: Yeah, this is the privilege, according to the U.S. government, uh, and I think a completely unearned privilege, uh, that what they say is not as treated as reality. Uh, And I I think it's very responsible. I I think that that you need to remember that a a charge is not a fact
1: Mm -hmm. uh,
4: and uh, an allegation is not reality. Um, And and the more that we bear that in mind, I think the, the closer to getting at reality will be.
2: Well, did you see any improvements, uh, you know, going back uh, compared to 10 years? Is there anybody that we can cite who was actually more dubious, more skeptical? Is there anybody who seemed to learn a lesson from last time? Because, you know, I'm looking at, uh, uh, you know, comments that Chuck Todd made, essentially just uh, presuming that everything the White House said, despite the lack of evidence, presuming that it was all accurate. Mara Liason on, on NPR did the same thing. They just presumed that assertions were the same thing as evidence, so can we give credit to anybody here for for improving over the disaster that they were ten years ago? Jim Narakis?
4: well, I, I think the broadcast journalism uh, in its its efforts to simplify the news uh, tends to to take all all nuance out of what they're reporting uh, and to sort of flatten the the world so that uh, sort of assuming that their mm-hmm. their viewers are, are not very sophisticated, they give them this pre-adjusted world where the, the government's version of reality is reality. Right. Uh, I think that you have seen more prominent print skepticism than you did before. I think, in part, McClatchy has, uh, I think, has a somewhat higher profile now, mm-hmm. um, in part because of their well-earned reputation for skepticism that they got during the Gulf War. Right. Right. Um, the one person who i I was impressed by was Walter Pincus, um, who is a, a person who traditionally we've we've been critical of him for for being too close to his intelligence community sources right uh, and he wrote a column for The Washington Post, which is his outlet um, that really said you know there there aren't any facts in this presentation that that John Kerry gave uh, and it it really is time for the government to produce the you know, the satellite images, the intercepts right. uh, that, that supposedly this case for war is based on. Um, but, you know, I would like to say that, that it, the question of who is responsible for the chemical attacks is not the only question that the, the media should be investigating and being skeptical of. Uh, I, I think that just as the case for war in Iraq boiled down to the question, uh, does Iraq have weapons of mass destruction, the the question of of war in syria is reduced to did syria use chemical weapons uh and questions like uh does the united states have uh, a right under international law to bomb someone that uh, they've identified as as
2: having committed a war crime. Well, yeah, exactly. The legal basis for this. You had the president, you had John Kerry repeating over and over that the president has the, the legal basis to do this, whether he, you know, whether Congress votes for it or not. Uh, I have been unable to find that legal basis. I've been able to find a lot of assertions uh, that the president has that power. But, again, yeah, another place where the media seemed to fail. Uh, there's there's, a, there's yeah. a lot of
4: talk about, about uh, enforcing international norms. Mm-hmm. One of the, the, the clearest international norms is that you're not supposed to attack uh, other countries uh, except in self-defense mm-hmm. or with the approval of the United Nations. Right. The, the two categories under which war is legal under international law. Um, so so you would be enforcing an international norm by, by flouting... A, Uh, Even more basic international norm.
2: And good luck finding anyone in the media with all of the interviews that guys like John Kerry and and President Obama were doing on this issue. Good luck finding anybody in the media drawing that in the corporate mainstream media, I should say, drawing that important point. Jim Narakis uh, from the Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting, FAIR.org. He is the editor of Extra, the bi-monthly magazine of FAIR. Jim, really appreciate your time here and uh, really appreciate the work that you guys do at FAIR. Fair uh, highlighting so many of these failures of the uh, mainstream media. Didn't even have time to go into many of them. Uh, Of course, uh, notably from my friend Chuck Todd, who is certain that the evidence exists, uh, just doesn't bother to show it to us, uh, we the people. Thanks, Jim. I really appreciate your time this afternoon. No problem. All right, uh, you're listening to the broadcast on KPFK. I am Brad Friedman of BradBlog.com. Uh, now, this may seem we're going to move to another guest here. May seem like a completely different topic, but it is not because it once again underscores the the failure of the media, the failure of the corporate media. Of course, as I mentioned at the top of the show, there's a much anticipated upcoming release of the UN's Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change report. That's the IPCC. It's the IPCC's fifth assessment. It's first since 2007. And in the bargain now, climate change deniers are ramping up to uh, uh, up to eleven—that's really what they're doing. They're moving up their denial to eleven over the past two weeks, and it's likely to get worse before this report is released later this month. So uh, we're going to talk about uh, uh, some amazingly bad reporting by the British tabloid and how that's been picked up here uh, in in our own mainstream media. Joining me to discuss that, Phil Plate. He is an astronomer, a lecturer, and author. He's worked for 10 years on the Hubble Space Telescope data and six more working on astronomy education. He is now a writer and the author of Bad Astronomy, Misconceptions and Misuses Revealed from Astrology to the Moon Landing Hoax. What? It's a hoax? And Death from the Skies. There are ways the universe... These are the ways the universe will end. Uh, Phil is a self-described skeptic but the good kind, fighting the abuse of science and the creator of bad astronomy, which you can read at Slate. Uh, And as luck would have it, or maybe not luck, I don't know, uh, Phil is also a resident of the Boulder, Colorado area. Phil Plate, welcome, sir, to the broadcast.
3: Hi, Brad. Thanks for having me on to
2: talk about this. Really appreciate uh, having you here to talk about this. Uh, Before we get to this uh, terrible reporting I I was referring to, uh, I I, I need to check in with you since you're in Colorado. Uh, How are you guys doing out there? How are you guys doing in Boulder? I saw a report yesterday that there were still more than 183 people unaccounted for in Boulder. Doesn't mean they're uh, dead as far as I know, but they're currently missing. So how are you guys doing after this record flooding more than uh, half a year's rain as i understand it in about six days are you guys drying out what's going on out there in boulder
3: it's funny right now because we've had two days so we had a lot of evaporation which has been great but literally an hour ago a giant gray cloud came overhead and it's been raining a little bit again you know it depends on where you are there are parts where things aren't that bad for me i live not near the creek so mm-hmm. Irritating. However, if you lived up in the hills, it was life-threatening. There were destroyed roads are out, and a lot of, like you said, a lot of people are stranded. The Boulder Regional Airport, just a little airport, uh, has search and rescue helicopters. You, uh, 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 Phil, uh, your
2: Phil, your your cell phone is breaking up a little bit. I don't know if you're uh, moving around where you are. If you can try to stay put while you're talking, we'll see. We'll see if that helps, or we can call back and and uh, try you again. But uh, go ahead. You were talking about the the small airport and the problems up there.
3: I'm using a landline, so I'm assuming uh, climate change has something to do with. Oh, it. Oh, uh, really? okay? Um, no, I'm kidding, but uh, <laughs> it, it, it is a little stormy out. that might be that might be behind this. Uh, they've transported they they've transformed the the local airport into a search and rescue operation. Uh, center, and so it's it's actually amazing to see the helicopters and the people running around. There are people still stranded in the hills, but hopefully they'll all be picked up very soon.
2: Good to know. Uh, so, what the hell happened here? I, I mean, this rain seems to have come out of nowhere. Uh, it didn't stop. Uh, the flooding was described as biblical, not by uh, you know people like you and me, but uh, by the National Weather Service. That's a quote, calling it biblical. Uh, what happened here, and have we We've been able to identify the fingerprint of climate change yet uh, in, this, in this extraordinary weather in, uh, in Colorado.
3: apocalyptic. Well, I suppose that comes from the Bible, so it's uh, close enough. Um, it, it didn't come out of nowhere. It turns out there are atmospheric conditions that were set up to do this, of course, there had to have been. And, and it's interesting, you can't just say you can't look at any one event and say, this was climate change." However. Um, you can look at sort of the totality of all these strange events for example there have been a lot of what are called blocking patterns where high pressure or low pressure systems have a difficult time uh... rolling along getting from one place to another and they kind of park over one spot that happened over the summer and that's why alaska had a huge heat wave uh... it happened over greenland last year and they had a lot of melting
1: mm-hmm. this
3: year there was a similar pattern which brought up a lot of moisture from, uh, from south of us, from the, uh, I believe from the Gulf of Mexico, and just basically dumped a huge amount of rain on us, and it just squirted over us for days. So instead of getting our typical afternoon rain shower, uh, it just stayed there for days, and we got this tremendous flood. Now, these weather patterns change as the Earth warms up, you can't necessarily say this one was because of climate change, but as we warm up, weather patterns will change, and stuff like this will become more common.
2: Is is this historically in Colorado, in Boulder? Do you guys have a uh, a, a history of this? Has has there been similar storms that have hung around for this long uh, in, in in recent history that you're aware of?
3: As I've read about the history of this, this this was very unusual. There have been Um, heavier rains for shorter periods of time in smaller areas, but this one was extremely widespread for a very long period of time. So the total amount of rain dumped from north to south and east to west was just vast. So we got, you know, some, some crazy number like a foot of rain in just a few days, which mm-hmm. is normally what we get for the year, or uh, I believe we uh, we get like 30 inches of rain over the year, and we've gotten most of that in, it, it right. already, right? In, in September, So it's just it's been crazy.
2: Now, uh, Phil Plate, I'm speaking with Phil Plate of uh, Slate.com's Bad Astronomy. Uh, who, he is in the gr- on the ground in uh, in Boulder. Uh, Phil, can uh, you you tell us one thing, anyway or another, about the reports of oil and gas fields and and oil tanks and so forth that have been swamped by the flooding? Uh, Uh, I I believe there's a confirmed report of an oil pipeline uh, rupture, but the Colorado Oil and Gas Association, to no one's surprise, uh, seems to be downplaying the concerns of uh, what could be a toxic uh, soup out there. Do you know anything? Can you give us any hard information on what actually is going on on the ground and and if, in fact, some of these oil and, and gas fields and tanks were, in fact, swamped by this flooding?
3: Well, no, I can't. I'm just another Mm -hmm. consumer here living, watching it on television or reading it on the blogs. I've seen some pictures, but they've been unconfirmed. I've seen some reports, but they've been unconfirmed, so I really don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. I do know that uh, where you get a lot of flooding, um, it's sort of catastrophic flooding coming down out of the canyons and the mountains here. Uh, to the west. The Rocky Mountains are very steep. These gorges and canyons have extremely steep walls. It focuses the rain, so you get uh, a lot of water moving very rapidly, and that's why the roads are out. Then it gets into Boulder and spreads out, because the, once you're out of the mountains, it's very flat. And then it becomes something more similar to like, the Midwestern floods, where the river just rises and spreads out. Uh, so we're not seeing sort of the, um, the roads getting washed out like you do, or the houses collapsing, like you do farther west up in the hills uh, to the east of the mountains. But we are, you know, I'm seeing uh, the floods spreading out over farms, I'm seeing pictures of, of disrupted uh, uh, tanks but they're, they're in these pictures I've seen on the web, but they're unidentified. I don't know what's going on. Uh, so you may know more about this than I do.
2: Well, David Zirota reports at Salon today. He, said, he writes, as a recent Government Accountability Office report documents, state and local decision makers, quote, decision makers have not systematically considered climate change in infrastructure planning. According to the report, uh, fixing that problem requires, quote, the federal government to improve local decision makers access to the best available climate related information to use in infrastructure planning. It stands to reason, David Sirota writes, that when public officials are armed with such information, there's at least a better chance that they will make sound, more sound decisions, such as, say, opting against Permitting four billion dollars worth of oil and gas rigs in a flood pr- uh, flood-prone uh, uh, basin. In fact, uh, there has been a fracking boom, a drilling boom uh, across Colorado, uh, and and it does in fact seem that up till now, officials have not been taking uh, uh, climate change concerns into account when they you know when they approve this sort of thing. Do you expect that to change? And do you expect what happened here in uh, in Colorado? Colorado to help that change in the future, Phil?
3: Well, that's a tough question. Um, do I expect it to change? I can hope it'll change, but as long as we have politicians who flatly deny that climate is changing, uh, that's going to be a problem. And we have, you know, I could I could run down a list of, of people in Congress uh, who basically don't even think carbon dioxide is a greenhouse gas. It's actually right. terrifying. They may as well just say gravity doesn't exist or the Earth is flat. This is not up for debate. You know, you can talk about how sensitive the climate is to temperature change, how sensitive it is to various factors that from the
2: you're breaking up a little bit there Phil it may be your uh, your voice over IP service if it, if it's not a cell phone uh, uh, turn off everything else on your internet that may help but uh, you tee this up for me and, and and we'll see if it sounds a little bit better otherwise we'll call you back but you tee this up for me uh, you say it's not a debate uh, the carbon dioxide is uh, is is making things worse is warming the planet oh you are wrong Phil plate uh, according to David Rose and the mail on Sunday the uh, British newspaper uh the headline uh, two weeks ago quote and now it's global cooling in all caps record return of arctic ice cap as it grows by 60 percent in a year and in fact greg gutfield of fox news picked up that report and uh, this is what he had to say uh following that report that uh, now the globe is cooling this one is global warming yes it's finally dead according to a new study There has been a 60% increase in the amount of ocean covered with ice compared to this time last year. Increase. That's an increase. A million square miles more ice. A leaked report seen by the Mail on Sunday has led scientists to claim that the world is heading for a period of cooling that will not end until the middle of the century. That means all predictions, computer forecasts, have been wrong. Thank you. You're welcome. All predictions, all computer predictions have been wrong, says Fox News. Rush Limbaugh went even further. He said, quote, the Arctic ice sheet is at a record's record size for this time of year. They told us the ice was melting in the Arctic ice sheet. It's not. There's a record amount of ice in the modern era for this time of year. Phil Plate, uh, clearly you've got your facts wrong, or they do. What say you, sir? <laughs>
3: Yeah, oddly enough, uh, I I think they do. Um, There are different levels to this. Uh, Rush Limbaugh is just making crap up. That is just what he said was 100% fiction. We are not at record levels of ice. In fact, this year's ice extent in the Arctic is... is, is in scientific terms, two standard deviations below average. That's like, you know, when you're talking about letter grades in a class when you take a test, each, each standard deviation is a, letter, is a letter grade, a letter level. So if the average is a C, this year's ice is at level is an F. Last year it was even a lower F, and this is, this is what's going on. Last year we had record melting, and the ice extent in the Arctic in September was at a record low. This year, it's closer to the average, but it's still very, very low. It's just more than it was last year. So saying that, you know, global warming is dead because we have a record amount of ice, that's just baloney. That's (laughs) completely twisting what's really going on. Uh, It's like somebody getting a D instead of an F and saying, wonderful, you've gotten the best grade you could have gotten. It's a record. No, it doesn't work
2: that way. (laughs) And and in fact, the uh, National Snow and Ice Data Center today said that the Arctic ice this year, the Arctic ice extent, is the sixth lowest on record. So yes, there has been an increase over last year's all-time record uh, uh, minimum uh, low minimum, but it's still the sixth lowest on record. It is still going down. If you look at the long uh, the long-term trend lines. It can't be denied. I think that uh, it would be lovely if it was returning, uh, but as the the good folks at Skeptical Science have pointed out in in a great chart, every time the ice goes up from one year to the next slightly, because we do have this natural variability, every time it goes up, these climate deniers start yelling, recovery, recovery, the the globe is cooling, after all, global warming is over. Not uh, satisfied uh, to take the shellacking and the beating uh, that David Rose at the Mail on Sunday took after that first ridiculous article. Of course, you know, he only took it in uh, at places, uh, you know, like Slate's Bad Astronomy and uh, SkepticalScience.com. You know, he didn't get it from NBC News and the major players out there in the in the corporate media. So He could just go on the next week, and the next week, David Rose uh, at the Mail on Sunday reported, quote, here's the headline, Global warming is just half what we said. World's top climate scientists admit computer got the effects of greenhouse gases wrong. Leaked report reveals the world is warming at half the rate claimed by the IPCC in 2007. Apparently, David Rose got an advanced look at the report that is supposed to be coming out in the next couple of weeks, and he says, and all of the wingnut media has agreed, that this report says global warming is over and the IPCC has had to admit that they were wrong. Your move, Phil Plate.
3: Yeah. That's completely wrong, basically. <laughs> if you, it, the, the report comes out every few years. They gather a lot of information. They put out this massive assessment report. The last one came out in 2007. It's been six years. They're coming out with another one. And they let people review it. And you can just sign up to be a reviewer, and you just sign a thing that says, I will not release this. But, of course, people do. So that's what's going on. It's, it's a leaked report, but it, it's coming out very soon. And um, it, it, it basically says... We're warming up that the past 30 years have been the warmest of three decades for the past 800 years, uh, in extremely certain, extremely likely, mm-hmm. and, and very likely to have been the warmest 30 years in the past 1,400 years. We are still warming. We are still hot. Uh, global warming has not stopped. Now, what these guys are talking about here is that um, uh, the actual measured temperatures, and there are a lot of ways of doing this, and you have to be careful. But there are, for example, surface temperatures that you can measure all over the Earth. And those have been going up now for quite some time. But they go up and down, and sometimes they, they level off for a few years before picking up again. Mm-hmm. Right now, we are in a pause. The, the, the temperature has flattened out for a few years. Now, the, the predictions were that it would keep going up, but what the models were having a hard time uh, dealing with was how water in the surface of the ocean, which warms up as, as, as carbon dioxide increases and the surface of the earth warms up, that, that heat is being transported deep into the ocean. We know this. We've measured it. The question is how it did this, at what rate. And the models didn't predict that very well, and so they show the temperatures going up over the past few years when, in fact, they've flattened out. However... We know this. We know that 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 happens. Plus, we also know that the oceans go through this up-and-down temperature swing. It's called the Pacific Decadal Oscillation, the PDO. Mm -hmm. And basically just the 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 ocean gets warmer and cooler over time, up and down, up and down. Right now, we're in a cooling period for the ocean. And what that's doing is masking the overall upward trend of temperatures. So you've got two things going on. We're dumping, the the sun's dumping a lot of heat on the earth. The CO2 in the atmosphere is trapping it more efficiently every day because there's a little more CO2 in the atmosphere every day as we burn stuff. And that heat is staying around. So the temperatures are going up. At the same time, we have the ocean going up and down through other means, and we're in a downswing, and it's masking temporarily that long term trend. That will end. It may take a year, it may take two or three years, don't know. But at some point, the PDO will swing the other way and temperatures will start to move up once again. Now the, uh, We've known this, yeah. and, and, and this is what David Rose has ignored in his article and what everybody else is ignoring as well.
2: And not only did he ignore that fact, uh, apparently he complete he used two, two completely different sets of numbers to come up with his, uh, uh, you know, global warming is half of what was expected. He compared, uh, I think, the, the warming between uh, 1990 and 2005 uh, to the warming that has occurred since 1950 per decade and uh, just had his numbers completely wrong. But instead of coming out and apologizing, correcting, retracting the story, instead yesterday, he actually doubled down. They just changed. This was remarkable. They just changed the headline, which had said global warming is just half of what we said. They just changed the headline to World's Top Climate Scientists Confess Global Warming is Just a Quarter of What We Thought and Computers Got the Effects of Greenhouse Gases Wrong. He gave some uh, clarification at the end of the story to explain how uh, he had the wrong numbers in the first place, but now he's got them right. But... It's a joke. It's laughable. The scientist that you talked to, there was a scientist that he quoted in the article uh, as saying, we we need to stop these IPCC uh, reports altogether, the UN. Uh, Apparently, he took this scientist completely out of context, as you reported, and he did not change that at all, it seems, uh, in his updated, clarified version of this article, Phil. That's
3: essentially correct um that 's essentially correct, and I want to be careful here. He probably doesn 't write the headlines there 's probably some somebody mm-hmm. at the mail on Sunday in England who writes those headlines so this whole this whole thing about climate scientists confess you know that is extremely slanted uh, I would call that propaganda that 's really uh, a, a poorly phrased headline what 's going on here it, it is interesting because for me. When you deal with people who deny evolution, when you deal with people who say the Earth is flat, when you deal with people who say the moon landings were faked, what they'll do is they'll give you just enough truth to make it sound like what they're saying is right, but what they don't tell you is everything you need to understand that what they're saying is baloney. And, and that's what's going on here, yes. David Rose initially confused two completely different temperature trends, one long-term and one shorter-term. He's comparing apples and oranges and then saying, look, the, the, the temperature rise is only half what they predicted. That's not really what was going on. Now, what's really going on is, yes, in fact, the temperatures have flattened, but we understand why it's this ocean cycle that's going up and down, suppressing the current trend that will reverse. That heat, will, the heat in the ocean, the cool surface and the, the hotter depths, We'll find their way to equilibrium, and our temperatures will start going up again. So for them to say, you know, scientists confess it's only a quarter, it's like, it's, that's kind of true. The models didn't predict this very well, but, it, but now, they, you know, now we understand what's going on, and we know that uh, all of this heat is still being trapped by the Earth, and global warming is continuing as it was. And in the meantime these egregious misquotes of uh, <laughs> alan miles yeah. who he quoted saying the ipcc this this method is too cumbersome they should just stop that's it, it, it's 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 a misrepresentation of the scientific process Not what miles said at all he said that yes the the process this this assessment report coming out every six years is fairly cumbersome. And I agree, it, they shouldn't be doing these huge reports every six years. Because look what happens. They, they get leaked. The deniers misrepresent them. It would be far better if they did this uh, shorter-term, uh, leaner, faster sort of reporting. that would make it harder for this sort of misrepresentation to come out. What Alan Miles was saying, uh, uh, excuse me, Alan Miles, Miles Allen was saying is um, that, uh, people who hold this document up as gospel basically people who just say whatever this says is correct, they're not representing the scientific process well. Also, people on the other side saying, look, they made a typo, therefore this whole thing is wrong. You know, (laughs) those people aren't representing the scientific process either. That's what he was saying. And so, uh, David Rose completely quoted him out of context, which is similar to something he did the week before. He misquoted a climate scientist. And it's, it's kind of, you know, it's unusual, let's say, for somebody to write uh, such banner articles like this and get so much wrong, including errors in quoting other scientists or quoting scientists uh, and, and, and not have to deal with that.
2: Well, you know, the problem is they don't care because they know they're not really going to be called out. They're not really going to be called out in the, uh, in certainly not in the mainstream media, not in this country anyway. The Guardian has been pretty good about calling them out. Uh, but you know what? What they're doing is they're creating link bait on their website. They admitted that, the, you know, the, these David Rose reports are getting unbelievable traffic, so they're going to keep reporting more because the mainstream Corporate media, at least in this country, is not going to bother uh, to counter to counter them. And NBC's Chuck Todd again said today on uh, on Morning Joe they were talking about the uh, Obamacare, and the question came up, uh, why is it that so many uh, people misunderstand Obamacare? And Chuck Todd admitted, well, it's because you know the Republicans are misrepresenting it. And when he was asked, well, why isn't the mainstream media correcting that? He says, that's not my job. That's the job of the White House to do that. Well, I, I disagree. If it is not the media's job to educate and inform the le- electorate, I don't know whose job it is and I don't know what the hell the mainstream corporate media thinks they're doing. Phil, I got to jump out. It's been great talking to you. Uh, please check out his uh, his work at uh, Slate's Bad Astronomy, including why it's important uh, to respond to these climate deniers and their nonsense, even as maddening as it is. Thanks, Phil. It has been great to- talking to you and please Uh, stay dry out there in Colorado. Thanks, Brad. You bet. What a fool believes. You're listening to the Bradcast on KPFK. We're going to take a very quick break, come back with much more, including Desi Doyen and the Green News Report and an update on SB 360 and uh, our screening of Shadows of Liberty. All of that is straight ahead. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast.
0: You're invited to the next meeting of the KPFK Community Advisory Board, which will take place at the KPFK studios on Saturday, September 21st from 10.30 a.m. to 12 noon. The KPFK Community Advisory Board invites everyone to come and discuss community issues and how KPFK can better address these matters through radio programming. This is your opportunity to give feedback to station management. The station is located at 3729 Coanga Boulevard West in North Hollywood, Red Line Metro stop, Universal City. This meeting will start promptly at 10:30 a.m. Please join us for our next KPFK Community Advisory Board meeting, Saturday, September 21st at 10:30 a.m. If you have questions, please call the station at 818-985-2711 or visit the website at kpfk.org.
2: Standing up at the gates of hell, Brad Friedman from bradblog.com here with your Bradcast. Welcome back. Uh, We're running a little bit late, so I'm going to try to squeeze in as much as I can. Desi Doyen, stand by. We're going to get to you very shortly with the Green News report. Uh, A judge has ordered the Guantanamo procedures unsealed. Uh, we've been covering this uh, over the past few weeks. Our friend Jason Leopold filed uh, a lawsuit to unseal those documents. The Guantanamo warden uh, gave his explanation for why uh, genital searches had to continue down at Guantanamo, uh, and uh, that reason, however, had been sealed, even though the government released that information in another redacted version. Uh, in in another court filing. It's been kind of insane. And then uh, Jason tried to uh, to get those unsealed. The warden put in another declaration explaining why they shouldn't be sealed, and that uh, de- explanation was sealed as well. So uh, the good news, the encouraging news so far, is uh, that a U.S. district uh, judge has said yes, release this explanation. There is no reason to keep it secret from the American people. The government has two weeks to appeal that. I mentioned Jason Leopold because he will be joining me on September 28th as I host a screening of Shadows of Liberty at the Downtown Independent Theater. I hope you'll be able to join me there, September 28th, Saturday afternoon. The screening starts at. 430. We will have a QA and a afterwards with uh, Jason Leopold and uh, some other favorites here from KPFK. I think Peter Shear is going to be joining us. Um, who else do we got? Oh, the filmmaker Jean-Philippe Tremblay will be there. Shadows of Liberty is the truth behind the news media censorship cover-ups and U.S. corporate media monopoly control. Uh, I appear in the film, as I like to say, but it's good anyway. Anyway, uh, Saturday, September 28, 430 p.m., Downtown Independent Theater, 251 South Main Street. More info available at kpfk.org. There'll be a, I think it's a $10 donation, but we will turn away no one for lack of funds. So please come on by. I'd love to see you. And maybe Desi Doyle will be there and give something uh, for people to really see. Uh, Also, before we go to Des here, uh, SB 360, this terrible election reform bill that has passed uh, on uh, a partisan basis in the uh, California legislature, it will end all federal testing of electronic voting systems in the state of California. It will end potentially... Even state testing of new electronic voting systems here in California, if the Secretary of State says so. It's completely up to the Secretary of State. It gives them sweeping new powers. Uh, This is a terrible bill. It was put forward by Senator Alex Padilla, State Senator Alex Padilla, and it passed. And, oh, by the way, Alex Padilla is also running for Secretary of State in 2014. Worse uh, than anything, he's actually misrepresenting what this bill does. They're out there selling it as if it is to uh, allow for publicly owned systems in California. Publicly owned systems would be great instead of proprietary systems. Wonderful. Problem is, that's already allowed here in California. As a matter of fact, Los Angeles County, where I am, where I am broadcasting from right now, already has a publicly owned system. Uh, I don't have time to play this uh, interview with Alex Padilla where he just blatantly misrepresented uh, what this bill does to KSRO, but you can check it out at bradblog.com because uh, we've got to get to some green news. You got that green news theme for Desi Doyen? Kick it.
0: It's not easy baby green. It's not easy, Desi. It seems you blend in with so many other ordinary thing It's not easy fitting
2: in your uh, your segment each week and in a busy news week you over. like this. Yeah, uh, that's
5: why it's not easy being online online green. Online. It's hard to get in on all the news that there is uh, no, to talk about. know. T-
2: don't tell me about it. I only got an hour a week here. We got to fill in all we can. All right. Uh, before we get to the Green News Report, Desi Doyle, we like to put our corrections up front. Yes. And you made a huge error <laughs> really? from last week's Green News Report. Yes,
5: a really dumb one. Uh, I accidentally uh, said that uh, Sydney is the capital of Australia, but it's not. It's Canberra. I've actually been to Canberra. I know this. And it was just a total, total brain pause. You
2: have been uh, flogged. You have been docked a week's <laughs> pay for this uh, terrible. Uh, and the worst thing is, our, our GM here is actually from Down Under. I know. He he was he's like, like
5: he uh, hello. <laughs>
2: I like, Hello, mate. It's Cameron. No.
5: <laughs> yeah, uh, it was pretty dumb.
2: Yeah, we just screw up. Sorry okay. about that. And uh, thank you for correcting that. Uh, we don't have time for the congressional hearings we had today, which some had uh, predicted would be denial-palooza, was it?
5: Uh, somewhat, and we'll talk more about that tomorrow in the next Green News Report at greennews.bradblock.com.
2: All right, let's kick today's Green News Report, our latest, and then we'll be back for uh, a minute or two follow-up. Kick it. The state says at least 30 highway bridges are completely destroyed. More than a dozen dams have been compromised. This one is completely breached.
5: Rescue turns to recovery amidst Colorado's biblical flooding. Chemicals from these operations may now be contaminating soil and groundwater. And concerns grow after floodwaters swamp oil and gas fields. Mining company pulls out of Alaska's controversial pebble mine project. Plus, it's official... August was the fourth hottest August on record. But let's keep that a secret from the climate change deniers.
2: All of those secrets and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman.
5: And I'm Desi Doyen.
2: Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Controversy at the Miss America pageant. Miss North Dakota's talent was fracking. Oh man, I hope she didn't leak in the drinking water. This is your... Green News Report.
1: Up
2: the okay, Desi Doyen, a sharp-eared listener, gave us the heads up that uh, the Green News Report, specifically you, appear in 350.org's latest video about the Keystone XL pipeline. We will never give up until the very idea of Keystone XL is dead and buried.
5: People in front of the White House are demanding that President Obama deny approval of the Keystone XL Pipeline. Yes, that's me. I was surprised to hear it.
2: That is, of course, a video for 350.org's upcoming Draw the Line on the Keystone XL Pipeline mass action. I think it's September 21. So now, apparently, whether you like it or not, Desi, you're an activist.
5: (laughs) I don't mind at all.
2: Well, maybe you don't, but I'm suing. What do you have for us today, Desi Doyle?
5: Well, first... Welcome to day six of our flood event. It's not over yet. But as the biblical rains and floods begin to clear, parts of Boulder, Colorado, begin drying out. Downtown businesses are reopening. Many of them are reopened already and are eager to have business as soon as it becomes um, accessible for people. The current death toll remains at 8 but is probably going to rise. The U.S. Army and Colorado National Guard continue search and rescue operations across the hundreds of square miles of Colorado that have been affected, while the focus now begins to shift to recovery and damages assessment. In hard-hit Larimer County, as many as 1,500 homes were destroyed. That's 1,500 that were destroyed, not damaged. In Boulder County, officials say 30 bridges, numerous dams, and at least 100 miles of roadway are destroyed, and it's critical to get temporary bridges built before the first heavy snows arrive. President Obama has declared a state of emergency, freeing up federal resources.
2: Now, what is happening here? My understanding is that Boulder received some half a year's worth of rain in just six days in this event.
5: Yes, it was a very rare and record atmospheric event. But it appears to have been caused by a blocking pattern that stalled the weather system over Colorado. Seems to be in keeping with previous studies suggesting the melting Arctic is altering the jet stream, causing these blocking patterns. And
2: I should add our reference to, quote, biblical flooding in Colorado. That's not our description. That came from the National Weather Service.
5: Right. Boulder, Colorado went from having one of its driest years on record to what will likely be Its wettest year on record in the space of two months. Another issue is toxic pollution. Tanks at oil and gas facilities torn off their moorings, floating downstream. Chemicals from these operations may now be contaminating soil and groundwater. The floodwaters swept up farm waste, pesticides, household waste, sewage, and damaged oil and gas facilities, rupturing at least one oil pipeline. In an interview with the local Denver CBS station, Tisha Schuler of the Colorado Oil and Gas Association said hundreds of oil and gas wells were shut in before the storm, but... We're not going to know what's happening until the waters recede. These are the extreme weather events that climate scientists have been warning about for years. Previous studies have shown heavy downpour events have increased in every state in the continental United States since the 1950s. In other news, it's official. August 2013 was the fourth hottest August on record for the entire planet. It's tied with 2005 and once again confirms that global warming continues. Year to date, 2013 so far is the sixth hottest on record for the planet. Finally. Big news in Alaska. One of the partners in the massive, controversial proposed pebble mine announced Monday it is withdrawing from the pebble project. Mining giant Anglo-American is pulling out to prioritize other ventures with lower risks. Alaska residents and fishermen have fought to stop the proposed pebble mine for years. The EPA recently published a scathing draft environmental assessment showing the pebble mine, if built, would decimate the watershed of the world's most valuable salmon fishery in Bristol Bay and leave behind toxic mining waste lagoons for thousands of years in the earthquake-prone region.
2: This is great news. I know for our friends up in Alaska who have been fighting against this mine, Shannon Moore, one of our Green News affiliates up there. Keep up the good work, guys. It sounds like you might be winning. For much more on that story and more that we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us and like us on the Facebook and follow us 24-7 on the Twitters at Green News Report. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report.
0: And I felt like a loser, but I turned out the winner When I came to Alaska, the land that I love
2: yeah, way to go, Alaska! Hey, and uh, by the way, I think Desi, we underplayed the importance of that company pulling out of uh, Pebble Mine. They had spent what three hundred million dollars? It was more
5: now? than that. They spent five hundred forty-one million dollars <gasps> yeah. in the process to get to this point, and they just decided to basically cut bait because they don't think that it will be um, as profitable for them going forward.
2: A huge. It victory. is a very yeah, big it deal. it really is. Uh, way to go, Alaska! But it ain't over yet. It ain't over yet. The fight continues. Speaking of the fight. I meant to give the uh, the contact address. If you'd like to complain to the California governor about this crappy SB 360 legislation, uh, go to gov.ca.gov and let them know if you think he should veto this terrible piece of election legislation that will affect not just California, but everyone around the country. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to our soundboard engineer today, Darren Ford, to my guest, Jim Narakis of Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting, and Phil plate of bad astronomy at Slate. Stay tuned for John Wiener and the 4 o'clock report. He will have novelist Jonathan Lethem, Lethem uh, on the old left to the occupiers. You won't want to miss that. Uh, we will see you here, uh, same Brad time, same Brad channel next week. Until then, you can find me on the Twitters at the blog and at BradBlog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. Good night, America.